0: Hello, I'm Janus.
1: And I'm Tessa.
0: Welcome to our podcast that celebrates wordiness
1: and nerdiness and sometimes plain
0: absurdness.
1: Please join us for today's episode of Your Your New New Favorite Favorite Word. Welcome back to episode 17 of Your New Favorite Word. We don't know if you're having as much fun with this podcast as we are, but we sure hope you are because it's a lot. (laughs) We're
0: having a lot of fun.
1: (laughs) Well, let's get right down to it as Jameis tells us about his new favorite word.
0: Awesome. Okay, so I've never actually seen an episode of Mad Men, but I recently saw a clip from season one, episode 13, the season finale called The Wheel, where Don Draper is in a meeting with some Kodak executives and pitches an ad campaign for The Wheel a new slide projector from Kodak. In it, he says, Nostalgia. It's delicate, but potent. Teddy told me that in Greek, nostalgia literally means the pain from an old wound. It's a twinge in your heart far more powerful than memory alone. This device isn't a spaceship. It's a time machine. It goes backwards and forwards. It takes us to a place where we ache to go again. It's not called the wheel. It's called the carousel. It lets us travel the way a child travels, around and around, and back home again to a place where we know we are loved.
1: Wow, that's deep.
0: Yeah, it's a really beautiful, moving speech. I'll put a link in the show notes to the clip on YouTube. But um, as fascinating as Don's etymology for nostalgia is, it's only about half right. It <laughs> does check time. Yeah, exactly. It does derive from a Greek word for pain, but there's nothing in it about an old wound. As you might expect, the truth is even more fantastic. (laughs) So the word nostalgia comes from the Greek words nostos, which means homecoming, and algos, meaning pain, grief, or distress. Hmm. This is the same algos in words like myalgia, neuralgia, and even analgesic. Mm -hmm. Thus, literally, nostalgia denotes the pain or grief of coming home, especially in terms of the thought of coming home. It was first described and coined in a 1688 dissertation by a Swiss medical student named Johannes Hofer, who wrote, Dissertatio Medica de Nostalgia oder Heimweh, a medical dissertation on nostalgia or homesickness.
1: Wow. A medical dissertation. That's fascinating.
0: It was, it's really fascinating how it was originally described in terms of a medical condition. Uh, He described this curious disorder often found in young men and women sent abroad. Mm. He claimed it was especially characteristic of the Swiss, which is kind of (laughs) funny, given that he was Swiss, but admitted that it also happened among other people, too. (laughs) little
1: nationalism going on there. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Typically where the sufferer is consumed by a desire for his or her native land. He proposed to call this affliction Nostalgia, and he like coined it from the mm, Greek roots, love it. and compared it to the German word for homesickness, Heimweh. Mm. So his dissertation was written in Latin, <laughs> which is a bit of an obstacle for most of us, <laughs> at least for me.
1: Yes, I don't read Latin myself.
0: <laughs> but there's a very interesting article by Alex Davis I found that discusses its contents in some detail including Hofer's own justification for the word he coined, as opposed to using Heimweh, right? Mm -hmm. Or he also mentions like the French term and other things like that. Mm -hmm. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Ultimately, though, like we said, it's just fascinating that Hofer's description of nostalgia was in terms of a medical diagnosis of a disease of the mind. That is amazing. That's not how we use that word anymore. No. (laughs) He noted cases where people were so afflicted by a longing for home that they went mad wow. or even died, <laughs> dying of nostalgia. Wow! So, And it persisted as a medical diagnosis for some time and was even considered a serious problem by the North in the American Civil War. Hmm. Uh, Edamon Lyon quotes the following passage from Sanitary Memoirs of the War by the U.S. Sanitary Commission in 1867. It says, In the first two years of the war, there were reported 2,588 cases of nostalgia, and 13 deaths from this cause. These numbers scarcely express the real extent to which nostalgia influenced the sickness and mortality of the army. To the depressing influence of homesickness must be attributed the fatal result in many cases— which might otherwise have terminated favorably.
1: Wow. But it's got to be related to depression, right? Which we know can definitely have medical roots.
0: That's what I was thinking too. I I would like to have been able to find some resources talking about the transition from that medical diagnosis meaning to modern diagnoses and, and how modern science might have diagnosed a lot of those. Yeah. But I think you're right. Probably would be related to depression. Mm-hmm. And in a war kit situation, oh, there's going to be a lot of trauma and yes. PTSD. Absolutely. And so, uh, but yeah, exactly. My first thought was, it couldn't have been nostalgia that did it. But <laughs> the fact that they attributed it to nostalgia is what I find fascinating. Mm. But I mean the medical condition of nostalgia they're saying directly killed or otherwise contributed to the deaths of a lot of Civil War soldiers. Wow. Just as recently as, you know, 140 years ago. That's some serious stuff. But then, by the late 19th century, nostalgia began to shift more and more towards the modern definition, which is that of a purely sentimental longing. It also began to include more than just homesickness before it was specifically a longing for one's native land. Hmm. Like nothing else. But of course, as languages want to do, the the meaning broadened. And so it began to be used to describe any sort of longing for the past. The OED includes examples such as nostalgia for one's childhood, you know, denoting a time in one's life rather than a specific location. Mm -hmm. And the OED also includes this humorously ironic quote, a violent nostalgia felt by the very young about the very recent past. <laughs> Reminds me of some of our kids, like when they were six or seven, talking about when they were little.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> and then, just in the last 40 years or so, the word has actually evolved further, so that it can now be used to describe an object that triggers feelings of nostalgia. Like you might hear, her bread was pure nostalgia.
1: Oh, Interesting.
0: Uh, and imagine telling that to someone 200 years ago. They'd think someone was being poisoned. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, taste this bread. It's pure nostalgia. They <laughs> run away screaming. But in the end, I think we can all agree that nostalgia just isn't what it used to be. <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow, that is fascinating stuff. Just the evolution of meaning over time. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, how it goes from something very specific and concrete and technical and scientific. This more general feeling that
1: you have. Yeah, it's really cool. And a little bit less dangerous to your health, perhaps. Right. Right. Less
0: people fewer people dying of nostalgia these days. Wow.
1: Well thanks so much for sharing that.
0: Sure. How about you, Tessa? What do you have for us?
1: Well, this past week I was introduced to a new book. It was a delightful picture book that I really wanted to share with you. And so this is gonna turn out to be a little bit of a book review. But why not? It's my new favorite book. (laughs) That's great. And as I explain, you'll see how it connects with what we're doing here. Um, Its title is The Right Word, Roger and His Thesaurus. The author is Jen Bryant, and it's illustrated in a very delightful way by Melissa Sweet. Um, It's geared toward grades two through five, and it's an introductory biography of Peter Mark Roger, author of the classic Roger's Thesaurus. And here's where I get a little vulnerable and admit to the world that (laughs) up until very recently, I'd never heard this pronounced out loud. And in my mind, I had always pronounced his name Roger, Roger's thesaurus. But he was of French descent. His father was from Geneva. His mother had French ancestors, but he was born in England and he was a Londoner. But his name was pronounced Roger.
0: In my mind, I, and if I'd been asked to actually say this, I probably wouldn't have realized it, but I always thought that was a first name. Oh, like the similarity to Roger. I yes. Think. And so hearing that his name was Peter, there's this cognitive dissonance now.
1: Yeah. And it's actually Peter Mark. Like he went by that, as far as I can tell. Peter Mark. Yes. And uh, it's really interesting the origins of this book. Uh, the author says, Once on a long drive across Pennsylvania, I found I'd packed an early edition of Roger's Thesaurus, mistaking it for the novel I'd planned to read. Oops. (laughs) Resigned, I pored over the meticulously arranged entries, which were not organized alphabetically, but instead by concepts and ideas. Somehow the author had cataloged most every word in the English language by its meaning. Who was this man, Roger, I wondered, and what compelled him to undertake this immensely difficult task? These questions were the catalyst for this biography. Cool. So what a serendipitous mistake to bring that along and end up giving us this amazing book. And it's technically a children's book, but I enjoyed it very much, and I think a lot of you would too. It has a quote at the beginning that I thought was worth sharing as well. It's uh, by J.M. Barrie from Peter Pan in a passage where Captain Hook is described it said, the man is not wholly evil. He has a thesaurus in his cabin. <laughs> <laughs> so how much do you know about Dr. Peter Mark Roger other than the fact that he created this famous thesaurus?
0: I mean, I guess I knew his last name. <laughs> That's about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't know anything else aside from that until doing a little bit of research. So he was... Born in 1779, so the end of the 1700s, early 1800s was his lifespan, and he experienced many unfortunate tragedies in his life, starting at the age of four, when his father passed away from tuberculosis, and the later institutionalization of both his mother and sister, who struggled with mental illness. At one point later in his life, unsuccessfully trying to thwart his beloved uncle's suicide, And then the early death of his young wife. He had a lot of trials in his life.
0: That's really tough.
1: So it doesn't come as a surprise that he suffered from depression. And possibly, according to certain biographers, obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm. So one of the ways that he coped was by making lists. It was a way for him to bring order and a sense of control to his life. And at age eight... He began writing a book, and he titled it Peter, Mark, Roger, period. His book. <laughs> <Cute>. <laughs> and he started writing lists. And he was studying Latin, and he would make lists of the Latin words he was learning and their English definitions. But then he moved on to other kinds of lists. Words relating to the weather, things that he found in the garden, other natural history kinds of Hmm. words. He loved lists so much and he was a brilliant and fascinating man aside from his lists of words which we most associate with him. If you are by chance involved in homeschooling which I know a lot more people are contemplating (laughs) in the current situation this would make an amazing unit study to learn more about the life of Roger. He graduated from medical school at the age of 19. And he wondered, though, and was convinced by others that uh, perhaps people might not take him seriously as a physician at age 19. (laughs) So he got a job as a private tutor for two young brothers and was assigned to travel with them to Europe to do the grand tour. And they settled in Geneva to uh, do their studies But it happened to be a time when Napoleon was (laughs) in Europe, and there was a lot of unrest and uncertainty. And at that time, there had been some kind of treaty where Geneva was a safe place. But then Napoleon reneged on that and was detaining all Englishmen in that city. So they were basically held against their will in Geneva. And Roger, at age 23 was able to eventually sneak them out of Geneva in disguise. So <laughs> wow. it was kind of an exciting part of his history there. Uh, throughout his life, he m- was interested in many things. He made important discoveries in mathematics. He created something that was the precursor to the slide rule oh. uh, and discovered some mathematical oh. theories that made that possible. He was involved in optics. He made some discoveries that were a precursor to photography and video cameras. Oh, wow. And physiology was his specialty. And he was also a chess whiz. And he invented the first pocket chess set. So just little (laughs) fascinating facts about Roger. But of course, the work he's now known best for, which was titled at the time, Thesaurus of English words and phrases classified and arranged so as to facilitate the expression of ideas and assist in literary composition, <laughs> thankfully today known simply as Roger's Thesaurus, <laughs> wasn't even published until he was in his 70s. Oh, wow. Although he had been working on it in some form all his life. I love basically that. since the age of eight when he started making <laughs> word lists. He started working on this project. But yeah. So that gives us all hope, right? Yeah. That... Our best work may be ahead of us. And that's what he's remembered for and known for now is his thesaurus.
0: That's really cool.
1: Yeah. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I've had a little mini thesaurus that's alphabetical, like a dictionary. It's easy to find the word you're looking for. The original and the official thesaurus is actually organized by categories of meaning. It's not alphabetical, but he did include an index for looking up individual words. But the idea was to kind of get lost in meaning. As you're looking at a word and then you look at other words that are surrounded on the page, you're going to expand your thoughts about (laughs) the meaning of a word.
0: It was a fun philosophy. Yeah.
1: And so... The word thesaurus itself, which today means a collection of words arranged according to sense or meaning, or a book or dictionary of synonyms and antonyms, at the time Roger used it meant more generally an encyclopedia filled with information. That word, thesaurus, was borrowed directly from Latin, and thesaurus in Latin means treasury, hoard, treasure, or something laid up. So basically he wrote a treasury of English words and phrases.
0: You can see how his list-making probably did teach him to love words enough to think of it as a treasure. Yes.
1: Yes. Uh, And that word itself comes from a Proto-Indo-European root, D-H-E. I don't know how to pronounce that in Proto-Indo-European, but to set or to put. And treasure itself also comes from that same root and many, many other interesting words, enough that I might... Use that in a future episode (laughs) to kind of explore words related to that. But the meaning of thesaurus we use today came because of Roger's work. Instead of just being a treasury, it, it became thesaurus. That meaning of what his thesaurus is came to be associated with thesaurus. So that's fascinating to me. And it's the ultimate list. He was definitely a list maker. And on our shelf, we have the seventh edition of Roger's International Thesaurus, and it has 464,000 words and phrases. I don't think there are quite that many in his original, but he spent a lifetime making lists. He started it. Yes. And I know that I nowadays tend to rely on an electronic thesaurus, an online one, I've never really done justice to the print version I was realizing and I've been this week kind of exploring our thesaurus in print and I've been inspired to use it more often in my daily writing so very cool yeah so hats off to Roger what yeah, an amazing okay. person
0: amazing spectacular
1: fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yes and one thing I wanted to say about the children's book is that it, the illustrations are done in a collage style. It's very whimsical. And the illustrator incorporates word lists from the original notes and the original thesaurus oh, neat. in the illustrations. It's, it's very fun. I highly recommend this book. I'll put the link in the show notes and links to some of the other... Resources I used.
0: Fantastic. Well, thanks for sharing your new favorite book, Tessa. Yeah. And thank you, listeners. We hope you enjoyed this week's words and books as much as we enjoyed researching them. Be on the lookout for words and etymologies to share with us. We always love to know what's your new favorite.